0: Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Ken Griffith. We talked back in late December about really a fascinating inquiry he had into what he believes is the candidate site for Noah's Ark, altar and Tomb, different place uh, in kind of central Turkey, northwest of Iraq. Uh, But uh, you can go back and listen to that. But we were talking and he... uh, said that he has a lot of information about transhumanism, so I just followed up with him, and the title of our discussion today is going to be titled The Transhumanist Agenda. I've done some other shows, one with Ken and me, kind of on the subject, but I think that it's very important. Ken has a kind of his own take, I think a very interesting take, but he can talk more about that. So, Ken Griffin, well, Griffith, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back on.
1: Yeah, great to see you again, William.
0: Okay. For people who may not have heard our last... Uh, last discussion can you kind of talk about your research background you're on academia and you kind of covered a lot you've looked into a lot of kind of different subjects but maybe you can talk about your background academic background and what led you into your interest of transhumanism
1: well i'm mainly a reader Uh, i went to virginia tech but my background is actually more in uh, biological sciences Um, but i'm interested in ancient history i've done a lot of research on ancient history and philosophy And the uh, things that are going on in the last few decades with regards to transhumanism, I've noticed some parallels to things that went on in in ancient history. In other words, this is not a new idea. It's just the uh, advanced development of an ancient idea. Gotcha.
0: And maybe you can talk about what these ancient ideas were about, uh, you know, this kind of new man or upgrading man or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Well, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, the the serpent said to the woman that um, if you eat the fruit, you won't really die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. And I think ever since that time that humanity has had um, basically been pursuing self-deification. That's basically what, was, what he was promising to her is if you eat this, you'll become a God. And we are offered basically two paths to, um, to our own development and future. One of those is, is in connection with God, which is uh, basically the Christian worldview. Uh, but then the serpent's worldview is that, no, you don't need God. In fact, um, in order to fully reach your full potential, you need to rebel against God, cut all of your ties to God, and redefine yourself, and that way you become God. And gotcha. I think ultimately that's what transhumanism is trying to do.
0: Gotcha. So man is trying to, to become kind of independent, kind of uh, the original temptation, right? You shall be as gods. Yeah.
1: And this also goes back to the Greek dialectic. Um, they believed in the chain of being, or they called it the ladder of being. But the idea was that, of things that exist, of things that have being there, there's non-living things at the bottom. Then there are, you know, worms and microbes and things, and then animals and then people, and then angels and gods above, above us. And the idea is that all of that is in one chain of being, and it's possible to move higher or lower on the chain. Whereas uh, the Christian worldview is that God is the creator is distinct from the creation. And he's, he transcends the gap between himself and the creation and that's why we have the idea that we can have a relationship with God. But um the idea that a human could ever become God is impossible in the Christian worldview. But in the um the ancient Greek worldview evolution is the expression of the chain of being that you that that mankind or other beings could advance and become more godlike. Um And if you look at uh, the doctrine of transhumanism, they actually self-consciously view it as um, continued human evolution. Um, So to quote Max Moore, who is one of the, the luminaries of this movement from 1990, he says, Transhumanism is a class of philosophies of life that seek the continuation and acceleration of the evolution of intelligent life beyond its currently human form and human limitations by means of science and technology guided by life-promoting principles and values.
0: Right. So there was this idea of kind of becoming the Uberman or Overman through science and things, and and it's just become into a kind of a new cloth in the 20th century, right? Yeah. Kind of new. Can you talk more about it,
1: that? it? It has several different elements. Um, if, if you look at the 20th century in popular fiction and film, we kind of see the transhumanist worldview most clearly in the superhero and the science fiction genres. So superheroes are men and women who gain some enhancement that gives them great power compared to normal humans. Sometimes the superpower is gained through external actions, like Spider-Man gets bitten by a radioactive spider and he gains his superpower. But other times the superpower is gained through deliberate human modification or self-modification, such as Iron Man, or the Incredible Hulk. Uh, Like with Iron Man, he builds this machine and he can step into the machine and become the Iron Man. But then when he steps out of the machine, he's just the guy. Um, Right. So this is um, the worldview of, yes, we can become more than human. We can become like gods.
0: Right, in kind of comic book form. So you see that in fiction um, and a lot of these different uh ideas are are bandying about i think it was like this idea of you know transhumanism goes back to tyler D chardon have you ever seen the connection between that and and uh, i think the intro was by huxley or something with julian huxley they said that you know they're going to apply this eugenics to create a new man you ever heard that
1: definitely it was uh huxley was definitely part of the late 19th, early 20th century development. I think this kind of goes back to the, the development of secular humanism as a self-conscious um, viewing humanity as God that goes in the early 20th century. So there were all these ideas back then. And keep in mind that they were just coming out of using horse and buggies. And it's amazing the things that they imagined 100 years ago now have come within reach through science and technology. So a lot of these ideas of manipulating our own DNA, um, for example, CRISPR technology, this I've heard people talking about it. They're very excited that the idea that we can heal ourselves of genetic defects by using CRISPR technology to edit our own DNA. Um, And it's the same basic fundamental idea that um, man redefines himself that man as God redefines himself. Um, so if I don't like the, the DNA I was given, if I don't like that I have an X and a Y chromosome, I can edit myself or that humanity as, as a whole can edit ourselves.
0: And in some ways, this kind of variance of gender or postgenderism is a form of transhumanism. Would you agree with that?
1: Definitely. So when we're born, male or female, nobody ever asked our opinion about it. Um, and for for that matter, no one asked for our permission for, to bring us into the world. And I think that um, the LGBTQ movement is a subset of transhumanism in which individuals are rejecting the sexual roles that were assigned to them by the creator at birth. And they seek to change both their behavior and their bodies, in some cases, using a range of tools from plastic surgery, prosthetics, and to even theoretically DNA editing. So... Right. The the fundamental, um, I guess, human impulse that's going on there is saying it's not fair that someone else made a decision without asking me. Therefore, I'm going to change
0: it. Right. So it goes back to exactly that intro that you can change what you want. And I think so. This transhumanism isn't something vague. It's palpable. It's something that's happening at least. And that's just one segment of it is this post-genderism like I can call myself a woman but not even have any surgeries. A lot of those guys don't even have surgery, which is really scary. So um, just another example. And this CRISPR technology edits the gene. So, I mean, the we're just at the beginning of that. And they're tinkering around in China, talking about being a god. They're tinkering around with CRISPRs of embryos, which is really scary. So, Andy, and throw into it this, what's this gene therapy that you have now really is kind of a form of transhumanism. Would you agree with that? It's not really a vaccine. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's
1: really kind of scary that they f- they foisted that on the public as a vaccine when in fact they're actually altering the DNA in your cells. Um, it's a major new development and it really is something that should have been tested and discussed a long time before even considering releasing it to the public in the way that they have. Um, yeah, it's interesting that I think that part of transhumanism is, it's really kind of a rejection of the incarnation, meaning that um, we're told in the Bible that God made man in his own image. And the image that we have is that we are a spirit and a body. And you know, the creatures that are above us, angelic beings, they supposedly are spirits without corporal bodies. And the an- the animals which are below us are have bodies but don't have intelligent spirits, and so humanity is in some way unique in having being at the intersection of those two. And um, it seems to me that transhumanism is in part a rejection of the image of God because it's a desire to get away from the Creator as because if if I create something I own it and by Denying the, that there is a creator, I'm trying to cut the ties of uh, any claims that the creator has upon me, and therefore, creator's image. And since we're made in the creator's image, there that impulse is going to have a logical conclusion of trying to mutilate that image or deface it, and or ultimately to change it and erase it. So I think. Um, there's a very real sense in which the, the rebellious human spirit, which is in rebellion against God, um, has the desire ultimately to replace humanity with something else. And that the transhumanism, you see it um, melding man and machine, but you also see it in changing DNA. And then it gets to the point of, well, what would stop them from hybridizing DNA? For example, You know, humans are intelligent, but most of the animals are way stronger than us pound for pound. What if we mixed, what if we created a breed of people that were a hybrid using ape DNA, you know, with mostly human? So you're mostly human, but you've got the strength of an ape. Um, Well, once you open that door, it just opens up a whole can of worms um, to where people could go with it.
0: Right. They're no longer human. That's the island of Dr. Moreau, H.G. Wells type stuff right there. So he's kind of... Somebody will probably tinker around with that at some point, which really people is on the horizon, right? I mean, in some one of these countries without proper legal oversight or something.
1: Oh, it's definitely already being done. Um, For example, some of the animal testing, they they take the scalps from aborted fetuses and sew them into mice. Um, So, And that's not even doing DNA mixing, but they are doing things where they're, in the name of medical testing, they're creating hybrids that are basically what you would call a chimera, where you have either a plant or an animal that, whose DNA has been mixed together with human DNA. And obviously, once you start down that road, the question is, where are the limits? If you, if you, if you cross the threshold, then you're into a whole new world of corrupting the
0: human genome. Right. Corrupting the image. I think that's a, a book by Tom Douglas, Doug Hamp, I think wrote a book like that, where it's the same type of thing from a Christian perspective that you're really tinkering around with things that are very bad. I mean, th- let me quote this. This is from Julian Huxley introduction to Tyler de Chardon, both very influence, influential in many ways, but Huxley particularly says, quote, up till now, human life has generally been, as Hobbes described it, nasty, brutish and short. The great majority of human beings have been afflicted with misery. We can justifiably hold the belief that these lands of possibility exist and that the present limitations and miserable frustrations of our existence could be in large measure surmounted. The human species can if it wishes, transcend itself, not just sporadically, an individual here in one way, an individual there in another way, but in its entirety as humanity. Really incredible statement. Yeah,
1: yeah, And, and truly... The objective is deity, deification. The goal is to become more powerful, to become godlike. Now, the interesting thing is that we, since we are made in the image of God, we already do have amazing powers. It's interesting that in the Tower of Babel passage in Genesis chapter, I think it's 10 and 11, um, God says, if they are trying to do this, they can do anything they set their mind to do. So there's a recognition from the creator himself, saying that if humanity is unif- united against God, there is almost nothing that we couldn't achieve. And so he confused our languages to put a barrier there to make it harder to do that. We also have a limitation put on us in the form of uh, our lifespan. You know, there was the original curse of death in the Garden of Eden, and then after the flood, a, a limitation of the human lifespan and a huge part of the transhumanist agenda is to overcome death. So we see a lot of research going into extending human longevity um, and the theory that we could ev- we could uh, figure out why our bodies self-destruct and fix it so that we could effectively live forever. And the interesting thing is that Christianity offers us both the hope of that eternally through the resurrection of the dead, but it also offers that um, it suggests in the Bible that um, as the gospel permeates the world, that the lifespans will get longer. And I think Isaiah says that uh, even a child, someone who dies at a hundred, would be considered but a child. So there is a promise from God that He will extend our lifespans again if we, as if we, as a um, humanity, are faithful. But the transhumanist agenda is to achieve that, to just take it by our own strength, to effectively, um, we will fix ourselves. We will overcome this curse through technology, gene editing, or whatever it is that we have to
0: do. Right. And I think Methuselah, in the very beginning of the Old Testament, these guys were living very long. Noah had a lifespan of many, many centuries. And Methuselah was, what, 800 years? Yeah yeah so the human beings at least in the biblical record were some people that very long lives
1: yeah and theoretically
0: i suspect that was due to a change
1: in the environment Um, there's only one environmental factor that's almost the same everywhere on earth and that's the atmosphere i suspect that before the flood the gas mix probably had higher oxygen Um, Hmm. studies of gas bubbles found in amber suggests that the ancient atmosphere had about 40% oxygen, whereas today it has 21, 21%, percent So it may be that um, changing the gas mix actually allow humans to live longer, but that's a lot harder to do than it sounds. And again, it's the question of, are we going to allow the creator to do that for us, or do we just reach out and take hold of it and try to overcome? Um, the the limitation that was placed upon us for our own good to keep us from doing extreme evil.
0: Right. And it's interesting. And I mean, these people today, like some of these elites, Silicon Valley elites, they're involved heavily in transhumanism. Can you talk about some examples of that?
1: Uh, One of the clearest examples would be in terms of longevity. Um, Peter Thiel was discussing and I think funding research on using blood transfusions from children to extend lifespan because some of their findings were that if they took blood from children under the age of 12 and they infused them into elderly people that it it had a rejuvenating effects on them and that's kind of creepy there's you can just see a potential genre of various um the wicked witch evil witch kind of yeah, vampire scenarios um but that's literally something that is in the last 20 years. Um, right. In the other, in the other area would be, um,
0: let's see. here. Well, here's another one. I can give you an example. Elon Musk is putting that uh, thing in people's brains, and I think some of the animals he put it into died. But like yeah. the neural network is is definitely transhumanism, and even Google Glass to a certain extent could be seen as kind of a transhuman is something stuck to your face or this whole whatever mark zuckerberg's oculus stuff like these are these are getting real close because i mean there's a potential like you could just have that thing strapped to your head all day and you're in a completely different metaverse right so yeah and of uh, course
1: the idea is to to graft it into your brain so that your, your brain is directly connected to the internet and so we you see the the discussion about the internet of things where they want to connect all of the little toasters and microwave ovens and various household appliances to the internet in your car but even so what musk is working on doing is actually connecting the brain and if they can connect your brain to the internet well that might give people a lot of power but it could also be a way of controlling you because Mm -hmm. Think about right now, um, what we've seen in the last three to five years have been attempts to control the search algorithms on Google and Facebook in order to suppress information. They don't want people to have. They want to suppress conversations. They don't want people to have. Well, if you have the Internet grafted into your brain and what if you don't have the ability to choose your search engine provider? Then effectively, um, despite them giving people this huge power of knowledge by being connected to the to a, a global internet, they also would have the ability to control what they are able to see, hear, and read from that uh, body of knowledge. Right. And of course, it comes down to uh, controlling people through propaganda.
0: Right. And I mean, you could see, I mean, it's it would be even more perva- per- uh, pervasive than what is happening now where you have you know, five major corporations dictating the corporate media right now and, you know, controlling information, you know, making sure that stuff is suppressed. So imagine that in somebody's mind, like you're done. And you talk about transhumanism, it would be the opposite. It would be like a dystopian transhuman where you don't even have choice anymore, which uh, I mean, we're, we're there. It's not like something in the future. These issues are now. So I think it's very important to have these discussions and be aware of some of these characters like, I don't think Google's good. They're evil, man. And some of these guys are flat out transhumanists. Kurtzweil people know. But uh, yeah, or it's pretty crazy. There was this guy, Marvin Minsky. Like a lot of these guys that were Epstein associated, too. I, have you heard of Marvin Minsky? Uh, I'm not. He is he was kind of an influence on a space odyssey, but he was one of the first guys talking about. In the 60s kind of in science fiction he was a computer scientist but i think and if i remember i mean this is how crazy it is right now but i'm pretty sure virginia jufre who prince andrew just settled with said she was sent by epstein to have sex with marvin minsky who's like a transhumanist uh futurist technology guy wow yeah no it's so super crazy
1: and he, even epstein was known for having some kind of a ranch where he was Planning to have all these women as breeders for his offspring, and right. so you can see that definitely, um, I, th- I think his uh, sex trafficking was probably tied to his intelligence connections to certain countries we won't talk about.
0: But right, but no, and he was he was involved. I think in an MIT environment where he was financing or supporting some people, he's a front. Somebody through him was financing them and he also financed the guy gorcerl who is creating like a robot person that will react to you so you know it's i mean it's very strange like, all these guys who are epstein associates very close were on joe rogan show like there's a whole list of like 10 of them it's off the chart and he, rogan never asked them questions about epstein but
1: hmm, uh, interesting
0: yeah one of the yeah well, it's, it's i forgot what the robot woman's name was but uh Yeah, Epstein financed that. Hmm. Yeah,
1: it's great. It is is interesting how the elite play us with individualism versus collectivism um, when they want to. So, for example, the whole uh, pro-abortion agenda for the last 50 years has been individual rights, individual rights. Um, I have control of my body. But then all of a sudden, um, when this pandemic came out, all of a sudden it's, no, for the collective, we... We're going to do vaccine mandates and you have to take it Um, so that suddenly the collective is more important than the individual when they want it to and i suspect that you might see the same thing with these issues concerning the um transhumanism the breeding of people because as soon as they start telling you that you have you're mandated to take this um dna editing vaccine so-called vaccine um, that really opens up gene therapy worms what what other things are they're going to start dictating
0: right it the mandate is a dictate it's a it's a it's like a king's dictate it is not something that's thought about it hasn't been put through the um, congress or anything so yeah tyranny is, is very real man very real and what are the consequences of this called gene, gene therapy assault we don't really know the next three or five years we're flying blind because it never in the history of humanity has that many people been injected with something they don't even know i mean there's all people are saying there's all kinds of stuff in there but mike i mean literally self-reforming microchip so you want to talk about transhumanism you take you take two of those pfizer shots baby you might not be a you're an adapted human possibly
1: yeah it's it's i don't i guess i don't know what's in there i don't want to say that yes they're doing x y and z all i know is there, there are things in there that they don't seem to have reported to the public yeah
0: i agree so um <clears throat> yeah it's it's pretty scary i mean then supposedly what is Kurzweil's, i think uh Veltman says here 2045 initiative i think that's when Kurzweil predicted singularity is that right lee he's listening in but i think that's it so like we're not that far off we're not even yeah. like a generation off. Yep, yeah,
1: getting close. I think, oh, that's, that's really interesting that one of the things that Elon Musk is afraid of, and actually, I've heard, you hear this a lot. Of course, we see it in science fiction that is the fear that the machines will become smarter than us. And you see this, um, obviously, in um, films like iRobot and The Terminator, where Skynet right. decides to eliminate humanity. And then, of course, The Matrix. Um, But that's actually a very interesting philosophical question is, can we create something that is more intelligent than we are? I'm skeptical that we can even create something that is as intelligent as we are. I think that our intelligence is something that is unique to us, given by the creator. And that if you look at what artificial intelligence is, it's really a misnomer because most of it is really what would be more accurately called a a brute force attack or um, pattern recognition. Where these computer algorithms are basically um, processing large batches of data looking for patterns that can be recognizable and then allow certain predictions. And while that can give them um, an edge over people, just like, you know, you remember in the Rain Man how he can just flip through a phone book and memorize all the phone numbers. Well, a computer might have that kind of ability but it doesn't have the ability to empathize. It doesn't have the ability to think, and it really doesn't have the ability to create. Um, and so I think that the the irony of the whole transhumanist attempt is that it's doomed to failure, meaning that um, we aren't gods, even though we are made in God's image, we are, not, we are not gods. We can never rise to the level in the power of the actual creator because the creator is outside of creation. We are limited. We are finite. And therefore, we can never create something equal to ourselves,
0: in my view. Uh, I could
1: be wrong about that, but that's how I look
0: at it. I agree. I mean, and they've had trouble trying to get these computers to think because human thinking is so curious. Like, they've done Deep Blue, they can put it in front of a chessboard, but they're still not that human thought of perception and there's so many it just shows how complex human beings are that we're super complex we're way outside the darwinian model of of, uh, humanity in my opinion so um, yeah our thought process is more than a math problem yeah it's just and you know and we're conscious of our finiteness we're conscious of creation we have different drives uh artistic drives and things like that we feel sorrow, loss, comprehend—you know—sadness that an inanimate being just doesn't uh, doesn't know. The inanimate being can't sense that, can't sense that about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that like the, the our Darwinian model fails, it brutally fails in a lot of ways because it doesn't account for the super complexity of a human being. Yep,
1: that's definitely true. And I think ultimately, what will be the result of this is a of uglification of humanity um meaning those who choose to go this route end up destroying themselves um you, you can see this in the body modification craze you know where people um first it started with excessive piercings and then it went to um you know people getting horns put on their head you know grafted in <laughs> and total total um coverage tattoos, but what they're doing is they're trying to replace the image of God with something else. But in most cases, it turns out being something that's just ugly. Um, So that's one of the downfalls of, I guess, the impulse behind the entire movement. If it's really driven by a very deep level hatred of the creator. And since the creator created beauty, then ultimately, if you hate the creator and you want to replace his image with something else, it's going to be something
0: that is not beautiful. Right. Or take its place. Right. Like man becomes a god. And that's kind of like the real presumption of the satanic um, ethos. Really, it it really core is that you are a god and it, it crosses through all kinds of occult traditions groups cults whatever so and it's it's really a foundation just like crowley said libra 77 was there's no god but man so he's directly in within the biblical tradition of like the rebellion and cutting god out and he probably would have been a transhumanist and probably i mean i think there was some body modification he supposedly filed his teeth into points and Hmm. that's why when you see pictures of crowley he's never smiling Because he really was probably one of the first body modifications, as well as you know the sexual depravity and the drugs and stuff like that. And drugs actually could be seen in a way, could be considered or interpreted as a as a kind of body modification, you know, perception modification. So I think that, yes. So you see, there's there's a great
1: example of that. there is a plant that grows in Kenya called mira, but what it's called in most Arab countries is kat, khat. K-H-A-T. Yeah, it and it's a natural form of amphetamine that's pretty close to Adderall growing in the leaves of a tree. And um, I had it growing in my garden when I lived in Kenya a few years oh, wow. back, back about 10 years ago. Well, um, there was a pharaoh, there was a writing about this, <clears throat> I think in the New Kingdom where it basically said in the scroll that um that he who chews this plant becomes a god because it elevates your your mental processes and um of course i i considered that um it was legal in kenya and since it was growing in my garden i actually chewed it a few times and uh, it's very mild a little bit more than caffeine it does it kind of stimulates your um, focus and I was able to break my all-time high on some computer game, <laughs> <laughs> wow, <interesting. laughs> and write and, uh, and write more lines of code. But you know,
0: but there's the point a huge, was, yeah. yeah, there's a huge trade for Kite spelled also Q A T. But there's a huge mm-hmm. trade in East Africa. Interestingly, it's funny you men- mentioned Kenya because two percent of my listener listenership uh, globally is in Kenya, and I find that pretty remarkable. It just shows how modern technology can get around because it's a former English-speaking colony, right?
1: Oh yeah, well Kenyans love to read. I, I, I was blown away at how many books Kenyans read. Um, they they are much more literate and educated than most Americans. I'll tell you that.
0: Wow, no. well, that's impressive. Um, Ken, do you mind taking a few questions or seeing what uh, some people have some sure. questions for you? I got okay. one from Hill Doggy. She says, "Do you see similarity between what happened in the Book of Enoch with what is occurring today?"
1: Yes, I and of course that's a controversial question of what was it what was genesis 6 talking about of what was this um these sons of god before the flood who had children with the daughters of men were those angelic human hybrids or were was that um the line of seth marrying from the line of cain and um rather than taking a strict position on that I, i usually just present both sides of the story but I think that we are given a message that if you think about what Satan does, his instinct is whatever God said, do the opposite. And before the flood, we're not given this huge detailed law, like the law of Moses. The law was pretty simple. It was be fruitful, multiply each after your own kind, and don't eat from that tree of that particular tree. And so the first thing Satan says is eat from that tree. And the second thing, can imagine was oh well then maybe we should try to reproduce not according to our own kind so i would not be at all surprised to learn that part of the the crimes that led to the flood was the corruption of the genome of all creatures of of deliberately mixing uh, genetics uh, creating chimeras and hybrids and um it seems to me that now that we've discovered dna we've crossed this threshold and it's very possible that we might see a repeat of those that same kind of thing and we we definitely do see this going on in labs right now and unless unless there's a huge moral outrage and says no this has to be stopped this must be made illegal then i think we can presume that they that they are going to go that way
0: right I mean, there's all kinds of crazy bio labs and stuff like that. That, I mean, they've made chimeras already. Like they've made what uh, pigs that can spew out, you know, spider webs and all kinds of crazy stuff. So.
1: Do you remember that Jessica Alba TV show? I think it was called Dark Angel or something like that. Back Sounds in the familiar, yeah, back in the early 2000s, where she's she's basically uh, a bunch of kids who were part of this government program that they hybridized humans with animal DNA. So she was like part cat, but there are other ones that were part dog and stuff. But it's that same, the idea was in the pursuit of power, in the pursuit of super soldiers, that the government would try breeding programs. And of course we know that the Nazis did that. And so it shouldn't surprise us if that is also uh, happening behind closed doors and secret bases. It would not be at all surprising if they're doing that.
0: The Nazis had very, that rebellious anti-biblical worldview on so many things that they almost like checked all the boxes about how evil you could be rebellious man is god you can be his gods
1: um, and they were extremely occult they loved the occult yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: crazy stuff um illustrate life asks has the author looked into the max Planck institute regarding the editing of insects and plants to be released in the environment to vaccinate people covertly on no consent
1: I have not read the particular paper by the Max Planck Institute, but I am familiar both with um, like, for example, Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation has been promoting the release of mosquitoes with some kind of a terminator gene, male mosquitoes that would cause uh, infertile offspring as a way of controlling malaria in Africa. And that they have been running some tests on that kind of thing. And you see the same kind of impulse with Monsanto, um, they spend a lot of money developing more productive uh, breeds of uh, fruits and plants, but then they want to make sure that the farmers have to buy the seeds from them every year. So they came up with this terminator gene that causes effectively their seeds will grow a plant for one generation, but then it can't have any fertile offspring. So you've got to buy seeds from them. The problem is once you have inserted this terminator gene into those plants, well, the, they're growing in farmer's fields. And when they flower, their pollen is going out into the, basically the, the environment and the, that, terminator gene could spread and get into other uh, wild plants or other domestic plants, basically corrupting other lines of, of heirloom seeds and things like that. So um, yes, it's, it's a problem. And the question also, there's a huge philosophical question there of, God told us to take dominion over the earth, over the animals and the plants. And part of that dominion is breeding. So we see in the Bible, Jacob, he's, he did some kind of selective breeding on sheep in order to get them to breed more of the ones that he was allowed to keep, which was the speckled and colored ones, I think. But the point being that, um, of course, breeding animals is part, something that is legitimate and something that we are actually instructed to do by the word of God by our the commission from our creator to live here on earth and and basically be the gardener but then there is a point at which we can cross the threshold and we're doing we're actually now doing destructive things and I think that it's encapsulated in the original um, dominion mandate in Genesis he said each reproduce after your own kind so if we as humans trying to basically produce more productive animals and plants if we start taking um genetic strains and splicing dna from other from different kinds then we're crossing over that barrier and we are we are effectively um violating the dominion mandate by corrupting the the genome that god's given us to work with gotcha. you buy that
0: <laughs> so. i do i do i think but it's an important thing like how what's what's a balancing test which is it Dominion or changing the image, you know, like are you doing it obediently or rebelliously? I think it comes the obedience and rebellion is very important. Um, very important to at least think about. Lee Veltman asked, What does Ken think about predictive programming and social engineering? How does that play into this whole transhumanism situation?
1: Um, obviously, predictive programming, what you've got going on there is, um, okay, well, social engineering is where you've got, they wanna use AI to control what you see. Um, For example, posts that you see on social media or on Google or on the news in order to manipulate you into the, some something that they want you to do. It may be that manipulate you into hating President Trump or manipulate, you know, there could be a number of different objectives that they have. Whereas predictive programming is, as I understand it, um, where we see things in media that predict things that then happen, and they prepare us to accept the uh, the, the narrative when the thing actually happens. An example of that would be um, there was a lot of uh, movies of action movies about terrorists in the 1990s, um, including ones where they blew up cities or they um, tried to build a nuclear bomb to blow up a city and then when we had the 9-11 attacks that in hindsight look very suspicious um, to have, have it looked suspicious to a lot of people the public had been prepared to accept this narrative that oh these, these, uh, these Muslims came and took a flight class and hijacked planes and flew them into buildings so there's definitely an element where predictive programming prepares the population to receive um, a false message, but it's not quite the same as transhumanism because predictive programming is essentially, takes a human to write the story, to to put the story into your mind so that later when they actually do what they wanna do, that you're already ready to believe the story that they want you to believe. You see the difference there?
0: Yes, yeah, gotcha
1: um let's see i'm trying to there's a
0: question hill doggy asked from gattaca the movie i think that's about genetics too it's uh around gattaca movie there was a large moral outrage and laws were passed do you blame the current lack of outrage with the infiltration of churches do you have any thoughts on that
1: that's definitely a factor um if you look at the the 20th century the religion changed from church to sports olympics and actually, the Greek religion was very much tied up in the Olympics um, back in you know, uh, two thousand seven hundred years ago. Um, so I think I think that obviously uh, churches have been corrupted mainly through the universities and seminaries because most churches send their pastors to be trained in seminary. And so if you can control the seminary, you effectively can control most of the churches. If you have a long-term view, and I, I definitely think there's evidence that um, a lot of effort has been put into that. But yeah, the moral, the the missing moral outrage, I think is largely because everyone's kind of just hypnotized. You know, if we're all watching TV, if we're all watching movies, um, we're not thinking; we're just being carried along with the stream. But if we start to right. think
0: about it we should be saying hey wait stop this is bad right. but it's mass it's not mass mass formation psychosis it's mass formation hypnotism that's really kind of yeah. what's going on that tv is very powerful very powerful in it also tv news sets a lot of uh a lot of the uh, you know standards for what we talk about so if you're watching that tv it's very important that's why all the corporations want to get in on tv news so
1: Actually, last year's Super Bowl halftime show really tied into that. You remember uh, Madonna did this one where she sang the song and the words were, not everyone is coming to the future. So basically, effectively saying if only some people are going to be brought in to the future and the rest are going to be left behind, i.e. called. And I, I think that was a predictive programming for this mass vaccine,
0: wow. uh,
1: gene editing vaccine that they're doing.
0: Right. It's uh, a Barbara Marx Hubbard thing. You're not getting into it. Imagine the power. If you know... This gene edit this gene therapy is poison, and there's other people that don't, right? So if somebody's giving a, a dictate dictating everybody to take it, but what if there's a significant amount of the population that knows that there's there's an agenda behind it? Imagine that, it's very powerful. It's a global IQ test. It could be, but let's say you're not even that smart, but somebody on the inside says, We you know. This isn't this isn't a vaccine, don't take it. So you and you're whatever a member of the OTO, I don't know, a Mason, right? So the Masons, yeah. w- I'd like to see, I would like, I mean, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but if there's a sociological study of victims and people who got killed, you know, who mm-hmm. got injured and people who didn't, and parse through that, it'd be very interesting because what well, I think what you find is that the political classes of all the high political classes of all the nations in the earth, very few people actually died from the vaccine. That's what I think you'll find. Yeah, you're probably yeah, right. I'll, I'll have you, you seen have.
1: what's my batch. Com? I think it's
0: what's my batch.com. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah.
1: So the I idea that it. they and I'm not gonna speculate too much on that, but the idea that that there is proof that these vaccines are not uniform that they're not vaccines yeah that these yeah. gene gene therapy shots are not uniform but yeah. that different people are getting very different things suggests yeah. that there's definitely a social engineering um yeah
0: it's a it's work. a somebody called it an experiment within an experiment i think it was michael yeeden was the guy who did the, the statistical analysis and said that there's there's pooling around. You should not have pooling in any of these damn whatever happens to people, the injuries. You should not have pooling along geographical lines or date lines, and that's what he found. And it's like whoa, which is a whole and that that takes it from negligence to intention, which in the law is crucial. I mean, we, this is a whole another story, but kind of is I, kind of comes into transhumanism. I mean, believe it or not. Kind of well, it's, bit, because... it's
1: interesting. I I identified this as a vulnerability about ten years ago. I didn't write about it, but a long time ago, when I was in the army, I had to go to a um, a course. I was my I was the battalion nuclear biological chemical defense officer. It was an infantry battalion, and they would send they would send a lieutenant to this special school, which, as I recall, took about six months, where you um, learn. A lot about nuclear biological chemical weapons and how to defend your battalion from it meaning basically what are the what are the um decontamination methods and how to avoid the fallout and all that stuff um so it it wasn't high level by any means but what was really interesting to me was learning that um of the of those three biological weapons had been the big had been the dud um, they had never been successful um because it's so hard to make something that's contagious that can survive in the air. Cause sunlight just kills, um, airborne pathogens, everything, viruses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the pathogens that are airborne, they have this massive protein coat, like a, like a shell, an armor shell to protect them from dehydration and ultraviolet. But that makes it really easy for your body's immune system to tag them. And so even though respiratory viruses are super contagious, they also tend to have a very low mortality rate, unless you're malnourished. Uh, Malnourished populations are the exception. So um, it had occurred to me even back then that the only way to spread a highly deadly disease through the population would be through an injection. And that's why we see the worst um, diseases are spread through sharing, sharing needles, um, through sexual contact, and through uh, blood-sucking insects, all, all of which are basically giving you a blood-to-blood transmission vector. So with the vaccines, we have, over the past 80 years, trained the populations of most countries in the world to go to this doctor and nurse who are people who care about you and and want you to be healthy and want to help you to get the shot that's going to protect you or make you better. And so the problem is the doctors and nurses who administer the shot, they can't tell what's in it. It's it's a vial of clear liquid. So no one who really knows what's in there except the manufacturer of the vaccine. And that actually gives them an amazingly dangerous power to mess with the population because they could put anything in there and they could even have be tracking it by batch numbers and there's no way for most people to find out unless they actually have their own lab and they do tests on different samples.
0: Right. I mean, that's really what happened. And apparently under this gene therapy thing, the Pfizer thing is kept at super low temperature and highly controlled environment. So like they don't want people to have these things lying around. So uh, really incredible. Uh, Another question. Well, Not just that I think, I
1: think there may actually be biological samples inside of these things. Um, there, at first people thought it was hydra, Mm -hmm. but there is a, strangely enough, a salinterate, which means a, something in the same family as jellyfish and um, coral, I think a a cnidarian actually, um, which parasitizes sturgeon eggs. So sturgeon is this giant fish that lives in Northern seas. And there is this parasite that's a little jellyfish that gets inside of it, goes through the blood, gets into the ovaries, and then it it basically gets inside of the eggs and turns inside out and it basically is digesting the egg. Um, and so, and then when the sturgeons spawn and the eggs, um, come out, the creature basically finishes eating the egg and then turns flips back inside out again. So now it's a little jellyfish and it floats around until it manages to get back into a host again and then repeat the cycle. And, um, there was, some of the uh, slides looking at what's in this vaccine where things seem to be moving that look like a hydra. Well, a hydra is a cylinderate, and it's the only uh, supposedly indestructible organism because if you cut them up, they can basically uh, reassemble themselves. And so um, it does cause one to wonder why we are finding things that look like a parasite on eggs uh, in a, a vaccine that's being injected into humans that's not supposed to have anything like that in it.
0: Right, it should just have a broken down virus, that's all. That's what a vaccine is it's not a vaccine. Whatever they're putting in people. They won the the language battle from the beginning by saying we're going to get you a vaccine. And so that's been implanted in everybody. But it's not, baby, it's not this is something very different. Uh you yeah, you're in a dystopia. This this we are all in a dystopia with this thing going down and, and no oversight, but uh Next three to five years are going to be very, we're in a world war II event, no question in my mind. So next three to five years would be very fascinating. Um, And that's just putting it in
1: This is totally consistent with the way the serpent has worked down through history. If you go back to the book of Genesis, what you see are a series of attacks of the serpent on the woman in order to destroy the seed. So the first attack is the garden of Eden, where his goal is simply to, persuade her to switch sides but then later um you see genesis 6 that there's this hybridization hybridization thing going on which is involuntary on on the part of the women so effectively corrupting the seed and then you see um, later when moses i guess the pharaoh of in egypt orders them to kill the boys Uh, again he's attacking the seed of the woman um, and so I think you can find this consistently down through history is that um, the serpent wants to destroy the seed of the godly seed of the woman and replace them with his own seed. And that functions at multiple levels. It's at a spiritual level. It also might have functioned in may, may be functioning at the very physical level of literally trying to replace us with something else Uh whether it's a chimera or whatever it is and so the idea of having governments of having basically people who are not accountable to anybody distributing mass um, so-called vaccines to be injected into people when people don't know what's in there that's a terrible power that yeah a a lot of evil could be done however i'm not i'm not despondent Um, it's interesting that when we had the black death back in the 1600s, even it killed almost a third to a half of Europe in some of the waves, but it it did not kill all. And I think that the human species that God has designed us to be amazingly resilient, and there probably isn't a disease that could kill all of us. um, There will always be a remnant that survives. And so um, I think we just need to dig in and try to educate people as best we can and, uh, re- resist, you know, don't educate ourselves. Don't be deceived. Um, and basically try to keep your blood pure and <laughs> keep your offspring yeah.
0: pure. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I was just going to ask you the solutions, but, uh, is there anything you'd like to add, Ken? I feel like we've kind of gone through a lot of those themes. You did an excellent job explicating a lot of those things. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap it up? Uh, not really. Thanks. Do thanks you very much? Well, thanks for coming back. It's great to talk with you. Super informative and know so much. Um, where's the best place if people want to reach out to you or see your work or getting in touch with you through social media? Do you have uh, anything you'd like to share? If you if you look
1: me up on academia.edu, Ken Griffith, Kenneth Griffith actually. Um, you can contact me there.
0: And I'll put the uh, links to the academia.edu website. You can check out his work there. So it'll be in the show notes. But uh, again, researcher Ken Griffith. Also, you can go back and look at, into his inquiries into uh, where Noah's Ark could be in Turkey. That was uh, recorded December 2021. But again, today it was Ken Griffith discussing the transhumanist agenda. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Stay there.